Welcome back to Honestly Alicia, where you will find stories and conversations that inspire and inform. If you enjoy this podcast, would you give it some stars or share it with somebody that you know would enjoy it? That way more people can hear these stories and conversations that inspire and inform. All right, so today you're going to hear from John, my husband. After 26 years in the car business, John has become successful and admired in his community. He started selling cars and year after year moved up one position at a time. After working intense hours for decades, he knew he could use a break and took a 10 month sabbatical. I hope you enjoy part one of this two part conversation as John shares about how to make difficult decisions, ones that will affect your career and your family, how to leave a work relationship with integrity, handling doubts and fears by looking back, what he learned during his 10 month sabbatical, his excitement at meeting his quote unquote business twin, and a frank conversation about his new perspective on retirement. Okay, so this might've been one of the hardest podcasts for me to edit because I think the closer you are to a person, the harder it is to really kind of be subjective. We ended up with almost two hours of audio and At some point I stopped paying attention, just started listening to him and just talking like normal. And so I wasn't super close to my mic, so I'm kind of hard to hear, but that's okay. He's the point of this interview, so you can hear him really well. Oh, also (laughs) he's got some good stories at the end about, um, about how you can make something in your mind, like how it can feel like it's a good idea and maybe it'll be really funny. Then how sometimes the lived out experience falls short. So make sure to listen to the end to the what is happening story time with John. All right. And then make sure you come back in a few weeks and listen to part two of our interview. That's my favorite because we start talking about the stuff that I get so excited about. He shares about who and what he allows to influence himself, like what kind of input he takes in. He also talks about character versus influence and how dangerous it can be when somebody gains a lot of influence really quickly, but their character hasn't matured enough to keep up. He shares what he learned in counseling and how a grieving father shared words that changed his perspective on even going to see a counselor. It's a beautiful conversation. All right. So for now, enjoy part one of my two-part conversation with John. Tell us about yourself. Okay. I'm John. I am the husband to Alicia and the father to four awesome kids. And I work in automotive um, as a general manager. And I've done that since 1997. So I had to pay to get hired, which nowadays would seem really strange, but uh, I don't know how much it was. I think it was $500 and it was a three day sales training class. And so if you got hired, you got reimbursed half of it. And then if you lasted three months, you get reimbursed the other half. And it was back in the day when there was very little training and, you know, you just kind of like get thrown out there and you figure it out and you get kind of spoken down to if you don't do it right and you just figure it out. You got to be really resilient. I started selling cars. Um, I did that for about two years and then I did um, finance business manager where I did the paperwork for actual transactions. So all the finance contracts, all the paperwork. Um, I did that for 
roughly a year and then took over a special finance department at Courtesy Ford. Um, and that is, uh, I the learned... West finance versus special finance. Yeah, so special finance is... Um, Bad credit? Poor credit. I did that for four years and most of that four years I also was a sales manager. So I kind of ran two roles where I uh, worked. It, it was a big store. One month we sold almost a thousand cars. Um, it was a really busy time. It probably really increased my capacity to handle a lot of things coming at me. Uh, many late nights. I remember coming home one, two in the morning, often six days a week, 12 to 14 hour days frequently. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. Some, some days I, some weeks I didn't have to go in that sixth day. Um, and sometimes I didn't work 11, 12 hours. Uh, what made it easier for me, um, was I loved what I did, um, f with very few exceptions over the last 20 plus years, 26, 27 years. So a lot of hours, um, looking back, maybe not the healthiest as far as my family. So sales manager, special finance, I went and became a general sales manager at another store. I've been at, um, maybe five total stores. I knew my time was done at one of the stores. And so I, drove to a dealership that I didn't even know existed. It was a brand new Toyota store. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about Toyota at the time. Uh, I couldn't believe that this store was, I mean, it was literally less than five miles from where we where yeah. we had moved to in Oregon. Yeah. I put on a suit. I had a resume. I walked into the front door and <laughs> I greeted, her name was Cheryl Lynn. She was such a great person. I asked for the general manager um, and she goes, well, is he expecting you? Of course he's not expecting me. He doesn't even know who I exist. Uh, I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, well, no, he's not. Um, she goes, well, he's either not here or he's busy. Um, what is this regarding? And I'm wearing a suit, so she's probably thinking I'm trying to sell something. Um, so I introduced myself, and I said, I'm John, and I live in the area, and I'm looking for a new job. Um, and either that day or the next day, I got a return call from him, and he, we set up an appointment, and we interviewed. And I would say that four years probably changed the trajectory of my career. But Dave Jackter was the uh, general manager and owner of that store, and I learned a ton. And so we were a one-price store, which meant when someone came in, price was already predetermined. And we became the largest Toyota store in all of Oregon, including the largest seller of any, any brand. Um, within just a couple of years of startup, and it Do was. Do you think some of it's because you did one price? A hundred percent. It was, and it was Dave's genius of marketing. He like he was a great marketer. Yeah. It was incredible. It was four years. I was the, I took a demotion to start. He said, "I'm not going to bring anybody in at the general sales manager level, but if you want to join what we're doing, and you want to come in as a sales manager, I will promote someone. And if you are that person, then you'll get that opportunity." And so I was like. I love your vision. Let's go. Yeah. And about two and a half months later, I got promoted to the position I'd held prior. And so I did that for four years and uh, thought we would be there for a long time. And then I got a call or I got a text out of the blue um, from a previous employer named Ron and Ron has given me so much. And the text was, hey, I've got an opportunity to buy some stores in Colorado. Do you know anyone that <laughs> might be interested? And my immediate response was like, ah, let's see, who do I know? And then that grew up in Colorado, that who grew up, in, that had just been there on vacation. He saw my Facebook That's post right. driving to the mountains to go Sweet. skiing. And so my response was like, yeah, I know somebody, uh, your Acura store there, courtesy Acura. I started there. 
I know the people still there. If it's for that store, I'm your guy. I didn't say you're, I'm your guy, but that was in my head. Yeah. I said, I know a guy. I would love to be the one at Acura. And he goes, well, Acura store is not the store that I had in mind, but let's talk. We had a conversation on Thursday that week. So four days later, we met at a restaurant and had lunch and we went over the statement again. He went over based on the current performance, what compensation stuff would look like, what it would look like for me to run that store and what the opportunity of buying in and being a partner of the store would look like after two years if I did as well as you know we thought we could. Two days later than that, on Saturday, I'm on a plane flying to Colorado to take my new role on. Monday, I wake up. I'm really having a hard time because <laughs> I'm like, Alicia, you've got to pack up and do all the stuff. It was, it was a bad, it was a bad deal. Uh, it wasn't for, a bad deal. It was, it was a, a, it was a tough deal on it Alicia. Was a, quite a transition. Yeah. So okay. I remember calling you, I said, are you sitting down? And she, and you were like, we're moving, aren't we? And she had had this happened one other time when we moved to Oregon that she kind of just felt like something was about to happen. I wake up Monday morning and I drive to Courtesy Acura and they um, introduced me as the new general manager of the store and I was there for nine years. It was it was a tremendous nine years and I took so much of what I learned at Wilsonville and applied it at Courtesy Acura and we took a store that was, you know, selling 75 to 85 cars a month to our best month was 219, I think, 218 cars and yeah, you were um, had some ownership there, uh-huh. and um, also you were. Sorry, I'm still like, I think talking through all that. Like I'm having a hard <laughs> flashbacks of yes. how hard moving is by yourself. Yes, you were a general manager and part owner. Yeah, and then you decided to move on. Yeah, I just felt like it was it was time, um, but something deep inside of me said I needed to to, right. to make a change. And so then you went to the Honda dealership, which was yep. great, yep. and um, were there. And then I kind of want to talk about, you know, how you decided to make this last move that we've made. Yeah. You know, and and kind of land on that because it. What I'm seeing and what I think people might hear is that. Why would you keep changing? Because all of the all of them were good. Yeah. And how how did you know, in your core, like? Yeah. And how did you work through those decisions? Because that's some you're so decisive, and um, I don't know. You just are grounded, and and you don't make just emotional decisions anymore. Yeah. I mean, we we both did when we were younger, but yeah. not so much anymore. So. Yeah, so I'd say, I'd say a couple things on that. I think um, for me, alignment in vision, alignment in values are super, super important. And I think that led me to feeling like I needed to go to Planet Honda and work for Lee. Mm-hmm. Most mornings I get up and my first thing I do is I, I have devotions, I read the Bible, and I then I journal and I pray. And I write out my feelings. I write out what I'm grateful for, what I'm working through, some struggles I might be going through, um, other people's struggles they might be going through. And um, there's this journal. It's a five-year journal. And it's really easy. It's called Some Lines a Day. And We'll put, we'll put a link to it in yeah. the show notes because I do think that the it's, five-year It's a huge journal, part to yeah, has, my growth. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and it just gives perspective when I can go today and I look back last year and the last five years and I can pull out the prior year's five-year journal and look back further than that if I want. I can see hardship or tremendous success and see God at work in all of it. And whether it was the outcome I wanted or not, it's still like so refreshing to know that at a moment when I'm having what feels like the worst day ever, knowing and just growing in confidence and faith that God has all of it, the good, the bad, the valleys, the peaks, all of that stuff. And um, that I need to just try to be, to listen to him and not push past his timeline. And, but not being afraid when I feel like it's time, three and a half amazing years. Um, but I'm grateful for that time with him. Um, we talked about goals. I wanted to have an opportunity to grow an organization and have equity again. Um, and you know, which would be buying into the store. And, and that just wasn't an option with how he had it set up with his, his kids and yeah. stuff. And he had told me when I got hired that that was the case. So we talked about, um, some things like finding a store, buying it together and stuff. And there were just some things that I was, again, sitting on it, praying, doing devotions for months and just praying about it and, and really um, trying to listen to what maybe God had for me by just just being aware. And in December, I decided to do this 12-hour walk, which had been recommended. I had watched a podcast that was recommended and it's about this Again, I don't recall his name, but if you type in 12-hour walk, you can pull it up. Find it and here, write it down. Yeah. So he walks across Antarctica by himself, and I think he ended up doing it for 54 54 days. Um, It's really dangerous. But he he recommended 12 hours by yourself. Put your phone on airplane mode and just walk for 12 hours. Be out in nature for 12 hours. Be alone for 12 hours. I decided to do it on a specific Saturday in December. Um, my goal was I'd start at 5 a.m. and I'd be done at 5 p.m. That way I'd walk in about two hours of darkness and I would end right when it got dark. And so I had a backpack. I filled it with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, a couple of things of water. So I start at 5. Right at 5, I'm out the door and I'm walking. And at about an hour in, 6 o'clock, I'm coming. I'm, st- I'm like going down into this little valley. Um, totally, it's all open space. You can't see any houses. There's no... Uh, light light pollution it's just beautiful and there's it's near a full moon or a full moon and there's a ridge to my right and I look up and the moon's like up above the ridge and there's a herd of elk walking along the ridge and there's this elk that stopped and he's he's not looking at me maybe maybe he heard me hundred couple hundred yards away but the moon is behind him and I see the full rack in yeah. this light it was completely dark but the moonlight lit his antlers and his body up the silhouette and then all these elk behind him walking up the ridge and i was like god this is the coolest thing ever like i've never experienced anything like that so um even saying that's like a little emotional like it was really cool i remember just being like this is going to be a good day so i kept walking every hour or two i'd stop i'd drink some water and like again what's the point of the walk just thinking and being quiet with yourself and reflecting and I knew I had this big decision coming up um I kind of knew what I thought I wanted um, which was to pursue either trying to buy a dealership um we had saved up some money and I had some investors and are you, alignment when with. you were walking are you just talking to God yeah are you talking, totally do you talk out loud to yourself when you're walking I know I talk in my head okay I have to talk out louder yeah no I talk in, I talk in my head yeah um 
Anyway, so I'm asking all these things to God, like, God, show me, like, what you want me to do. Like, I had a journal with me, so I'd write, sit down, and just write out some thoughts. I just kept walking. I ended up, for that day, walking 26 miles or 28 miles, 60,000 plus steps. <laughs> um, uh, a little over halfway, so at like 2, one, uh, maybe it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm walking on this trail, and I see the exact same guy that got me the job at Planet. The exact same guy. He happened to be walking on this trail. It's <laughs> so random. And I, it's not random. I was like, I, I mean, I feel like you can't. Yeah, I was we like, can, we can spiritualize this. I feel like God just. Yeah, I was like, put him hey, what are you doing? And then I'm thinking a little bit guilty because I'm like, I'm not supposed to talk to anybody. Like in my head. Oh, you weren't following the rules. I wasn't following the, the rules. Walk. He turns around and for the next thirty minutes, he and I walk together, and he probably unknowingly spoke so much freedom to me and really at that point I knew I felt like I was released and not that it just I can't explain it but he said some things that totally like confirmed what what I needed to hear and I'm so thankful for that so you know who you are if you happen (laughs) to run across this podcast I am so grateful for you so kept walking I decided that it would be really fun to go get a coffee and a pastry. I was <laughs> wanting a coffee and a pastry, and I was probably five miles from this place. And so I knew where it was, and so I just started walking toward I get into a neighborhood, start walking through the neighborhood. And I'm probably mile 16 to 18 now. <laughs> and I think looking back, I wasn't wearing the right shoes. Um, I don't know. Something, something was off because it... How many miles I walked didn't seem like that big of a deal, but apparently I got the coffee, I got the pastry. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and enjoy this. So I sit down for too long. <laughs> it reminded me, I did a 25 mile road, 25 mile road march. We called it the the death march in the army. And it was with a full rucksack and uh, I had a saw gun, which is probably 20 or 30 pounds. So I was, How much I, is a rucksack? For this, it was probably 30 pounds. It wasn't that heavy. So you're carrying 50. It's probably carrying 50 or 60 no, pounds. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. But, but when we also 19 when we were out in the field, we'd sometimes carry a 100 or 120 pound rucksack, which yeah. was almost as heavy as I was back then <laughs> with our weapon and stuff. So for this road march, it wasn't that heavy, but we got to this like 18 mile mark, mark in the army and they decided it would be smart for us every few miles to stop rehydrate, eat some trail mix, and then start back up. Well, the problem with that is when you stop, you get every, you get cold, your your blood pools, and it's pain, it feels like your feet fall asleep. Yeah. And so you're walking, it takes a while for them to warm up again, and it's just painful. It's like, can we so just, you thought, Let's just keep going? That. No, I didn't think at all, but it all came back at very quickly. Seven years old? I was 47. Seven, yeah. So I sat down, had my lovely cup of coffee. I was enjoying it. as people watching a little bit. I was completely by myself. Um, and I got done with my pastry. I got done with my coffee. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and go. so I'm in this low-lying chair that's got nice padding on it. And I get to stand up. And I'm like, oh, no. This isn't good. Like, I could barely stand up. Everything on my, like, all my muscles had, like, cramped up. Which, again, seems like I'm embarrassed to say that. Because it's not like I'm in bad shape. <laughs> Wait, but can we talk about how you were like outside, but there was a window of people? Yeah, right? so you said there was like a window. So it's a really trendy coffee inside. shop. They, it's like think of a bunch of college students all sitting on the window ledge with their laptops, facing look, look facing out. <laughs> so, so I had to go along this window and then turn left and go in front of the other window too. 
And I was like an old man <laughs> crouched over with like a cane. Think that. And so I didn't have a cane, but I'm crouched over. I've got, I'm like walking with my legs out to the side, hunched over and trying to like put my hand on the windows to get my body to warm up to a point where I can stand up straight. It was awful. And I didn't look in there because I didn't want to see anyone laughing at me. What if you knew someone? I'm confident people were laughing at me. I was hurting so bad. Plus, I looked a little homeless because I had this backpack and I had a hat on. And I just looked, I probably looked like really something. Sketchy. So, anyway, I was like like at mile 18, very similar to my death march in the army. It's called the Manchu March. Anyway, uh... I walk, I start walking back to my house. At this point, I'm not going through the open space anymore. I'm just walking on a sidewalk because I know I've got a couple hours left and I'm going to just go straight to my house. I got to the 12 hour mark um, of my, my walk. I'm not home. You turned into an old man I'm not, in 12 hours. I'm not home <laughs> and I can't get home, but I hit 12 hours. I'm definitely not walking anymore. I pull out my phone. I take it off of airplane mode. I sit down in front of Starbucks. I say, Alicia, I need you to come pick me up. I can't make it home. <laughs> I'm too far to walk. My 12 hours up. I need you to pick me up. So she comes and picks me up. I could barely, I mean, you, you could explain what it, what oh, it I've looked like. Video. That's, I'm so excited. Well, I have video because then you have video me I at home you to the car. Yeah. And then you had to sit and it was maybe eight, nine, yeah. 10 minutes home. And yeah. then you had to get out of the car and walk in. And, yeah. and that's when I took a video. Yeah. So it, it was, it was so painful, yeah. brutal. So, okay, so the point is, what did you like? I, yeah, learn? I had complete freedom. I yeah. knew, I knew I was going to resign. Yeah. Um, I knew I had a great leadership team that would take continue that store to continue to improve. I felt complete um, uh, integrity with Lee. We had had some discussions on um, a lot of this stuff. Um, I knew he'd be sad. I felt like he'd be sad, but I knew that he was in good hands with the, the team we had built. It's like he blessed you, though. You know, yeah, like, so... He's like, it's you know, go for it. Yeah. I, I'm on your team. Yeah, mm -hmm. so after that, um, I had texted um, uh, the chief operating officer, who happened to be the number two guy at Acura when I was at Courtesy Acura. I texted him and said, hey, I'm going to be leaving Planet Honda. I'm looking at either trying to buy a store... Um, with some investors that I've got, or I want to find a great dealer group. These are the markets that we are open to, and it's really important to us that there's some diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what's important to me as far as my goals. Yeah. Um, does any of this line up with what you guys right. are looking and for? It's, like, it's not near our family, yeah. your family or my family, yeah. or staying. That 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 it was a narrow it was a narrow search. Yeah. So I, I text him that. Uh, I got a very quick response um, with what seemed to me like a very encouraging, like, love to talk. Um, and we set up a, a time to um, discuss, and we, we talked for maybe a half hour to an hour. Um, so can you explain why? Because what I want to pull out of all this is, is that decision-making. Why did you reach out? Why was it important to talk to this person? Yeah. Was he just somebody that could that had a big picture of different automotive groups? Um, I reached out to actually more than just him. I reached out to other people that I, I trusted and that I thought that there was a common... Um, values? Common values. So it was not just Matt. It was right. people that I was... That I 
Respect. Respect. And that I knew from prior. So I had seen how they conducted their lives, how they conducted business over the years that I believed in and I trusted. Right. So big picture as you're moving through this decision, it was getting alone, getting quiet. Yep. It was spending time looking, reflecting on your past, spending time with God. Mm -hmm. It was, I would say, it's Christianese, but seeking wise counsel. Yeah. Um, and then what about, I mean, this is really, I'm setting you up, but like us, cause it, it wasn't, you didn't make this in a vacuum. You didn't make this decision. Yeah. So as people make big decisions, I mean, I guess I could be lumped in the, you know, just, yeah, I don't want to say, I can't say I can be lumped in the wise counsel, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you can, you can lump yourself into that. Just so you're, like, you're my discerner. I, I have a lot of abilities and stuff my discernment i rely on you that's one of your greatest strengths um so you were part of the conversation the whole time like when i was struggling or thinking not struggling from a um this is awful but just like this isn't you know clarity clarity and and like these are my thoughts what do you think and one of the things um i don't know if we said in the last podcast i did but one of the things that you've always said that i've shared with others is that you've always been um You've always said, if we need to start over and move into a one-bedroom apartment, we'll figure it out, and that's going to be okay. And so for me, that's great freedom, knowing that I don't have to maintain any and, level of lifestyle, yeah, lifestyle, or or it's okay to take risk, and if it's not, if it, if it falls if apart, it falls apart right. we're, we're okay. We'll regroup. You know, um, our relationship isn't built on any financial success or yeah. anything. It's just built on we love each other, and so we're good. Yeah. So... Uh, I spoke with Matt and Matt was like, you and Liza would, I believe, have such great alignment. How you, the books you read, how you say things, how you view the customer, like it, there seems to be complete alignment. Yeah. I knew immediately when I sat with Liza that like, this is my people. It's a good fit. Yeah, these are your This yeah. like literally could be me. Um, Just a woman. A woman. <laughs> Just, yeah, that, that, I don't think, I hope that doesn't sound strange, but like, it's like my twin sister where you can complete each other's sentences, but you've never ever spent, that's, that's the better way to say it. It'd be like my twin sister that we've believe in doing the business same way. We could complete each other's sentences. We read business twin. Yeah. Like we've read the same books. We believe customers should be treated the same way. We believe our employees should be treated the same way. We have a very similar view on like what we we input in in like podcasts and we're passionate. Anyway, it was it was probably a forty five minute to an hour discussion in Dallas with Matt. And that next morning, I wrote in my five year journal. I just read it the other day. I could see myself working for Liza and Carter Myers. Because I think some of the cool things about your stories is that. You still have, you don't burn bridges. One of the keys to your success is relationship. Yeah. And the longevity and the integrity. It's all, it's all there. Yeah. Because I see people for who they are and I see greatness in people when they show that they have the grit and the ability. They may not know the the skill set yet, but they have the heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And so those are the people I want to pour into and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, I would. I would also just. I, I mean, I'm sure I've burned some bridges when you leave. Right. When it you happens, leave somebody, yeah. you hurt 
feelings get hurt. And um, so I, I would say I, I don't know that I've always left and not burnt bridges. Um, I know at Wilsonville that was really tough because it was a complete surprise, but I had the opportunity to go back to the store I'd started at, came out of the blue. There's no Sometimes there's no way of timing is timing, and there's no way to, to make it not hurt. not hurt and not be personal. You know, it's happened to me too where someone, it, but if it's best for that person and for their, their growth and stuff, eventually you get to the point where you're like, okay. And I feel like I've, um, I'm hopeful that if I've hurt anyone, I have always gone back around and, and poured life into them of like, you've done this for me. Like, mm -hmm. like David Wilsonville, Ron at, at courtesy, Lee at planet, like all of these people have had different levels of impact in different areas of my life that have made me who I am yeah. from a business standpoint. Yeah. Anyway, I make the decision. I'm, I'm going to resign. Um, I met with Lee a week before my last day and I was telling him, Hey, you know, at the end of January, I think, you know, here's, here's what's going on. And, and, uh, it was hard. It was a hard conversation because he is, he and Olga both are just such good people. And he totally, like, I felt coming out of there blessed and encouraged and like, almost like a father would just yeah. like bless his son and I'm not his son and yeah. he's not my father, but I felt like my three and a half years there made a difference by how he talked to me. And I know it did, um, but it was one of gratitude and thanks and sharing what I had done for him. You know, um, we, I think, mutually discovered areas that we could improve. And he shared so many nuggets of wisdom with me. And I really was able to um, share things with him that I think uh, helped him improve his business as well. I resigned. I went to NADA and met with brokers. I met with Liza. I met with um, some other people that I had meetings set up with. Free I was a free, free I was agent. a free agent. Um, <laughs> and you were like, this is the best. And then you're like, I don't have a job. Yeah, I'm like, ah. At first it was super exciting. <laughs> and I'll share in a second. It went from pure excitement. And I had a plan um, yeah. of like, uh, I wanted to doing. take, I yeah. wanted to take three months off. Um, so I had a very like targeted, focused goal of finding something. What I didn't realize is that I don't like not having a plan. And sitting and waiting around is not... You're not good at it. I'm not good at it. In the meantime, I'm doing all of this and carrying on a conversation. The most exciting to conversation that I'd had was with Matt and then Liza in ADA. And we continued um, a conversation up to leading to a, 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 uh, a trip out to the East Coast. We flew out. Um, we spent three days here in the market and prayed a ton um, and just kind of... Like, what would life look like if we moved here? And I was really excited. I like business opportunity. I like, I, I do like change. Um, very aware on this change, how impactful it would be lose, leaving our community that we had built in Colorado, which was, I don't know that we'll ever have that again. We had the most amazing neighbors that you could literally just go pull up on their back, you know, their back patio and turn on the TV and start cooking on their barbecue if you wanted to. And then they'd probably come out and you'd share a drink or whatever. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. We had cornhole in the evenings and unbelievable friends, unbelievable church that we were part of Colorado community church, so much to give up. And, uh, all of that to have this opportunity and to think like, okay, this would be really neat. 
Um, Carter Myers Automotive is an ESOP, so it's an employee stock option plan. So every employee has ownership in the company. So as the company continues to do better and better, and the longer the employee is re, uh, employed, they continue to grow their ownership percentage inside of Carter Myers. So it's unique and unlike. There might be a handful in the entire nation that has something like this where you own part of the company and the stories of that, like for me, the automotive space, if you run a store well, it can be very, very profitable. And to bring the entire employee employees alongside you to participate in that profitability is, yes, it, it like listening to it is like, this is a complete 100% alignment with what I think and had no idea it existed. Yeah. So um, I also had gone skiing with a friend of mine and broke my ribs before that trip and got a cold. So I was in extreme pain that whole time. Um, it, broken ribs, traveling in a cold is just a bad, bad thing. And so I think I was praying a lot extra just because I was in so much pain and just like, God, please help my ribs to not hurt so bad that I can't pay attention. I can't like listen and give my very best while I'm there too. So we came to an agreement. Then it was like, oh, crap. But in between that time, so I had several months where I was off. Yeah, because I want to talk about what you learned during the sabbatical. Yeah. So I had several months off between not knowing and coming out here and meeting with the team and with Liza and Matt. And I realized that not having a plan, I had very good idea of what I was planning on doing, either buying a store and finding a good group but not knowing, having anything concrete, holy cow, was that hard for me. Um, I got, I'd have days where I was like, I was like a nervous wreck. I'm like, what? Well, I wasn't running at the pace that I was used to. Yeah, yeah. And I was around the house all the time. I was like, well, what if this doesn't work? Well, what if that doesn't work? Well, what if I run out of money? What if, you know, and like all these things. So. Wait, can we talk about that? Like, what do you do with all those thoughts? Because I feel like they, they naturally come up and then you do handle them well. Yeah, I with... journaling. Yeah. I journal. The next day I, I write down my thoughts from the prior day. Mm -hmm. um, and I can go back to years of knowledge of knowing that God is completely sovereign and he's got it. And like mm -hmm. even if all of this falls apart and this was the worst decision ever, that... Right, because it doesn't mean it's going to always that work out well. It'll, we'll figure it out. Like I was confident that at the very worst... I had this in my mind. At the very worst, I don't think it's likely, but at the very worst, I know that I can be a great general manager in an environment. It may not be what I'm looking for or what I want, but I can provide for my family. Mm -hmm. That gave me some, like, when I got to a fear standpoint, I would just go to that and shut it off. Like, we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But this is my goal. Right. If that makes sense. Worst case scenario. Yeah, worst case scenario. You work in a store that you don't yeah. maybe love, yeah. and it's not magical, but yeah. you could pay the bills. Yep, pay yeah. the bills. I'll be I'll be just fine, yeah. and and go from there, yeah. you know. And so, I ended up being off um, from January twenty fifth until November the sixth. Um, that is, was that ten eleven months? And you know, I think in America, um, we live in a land of future like we're always planning for retirement we're planning for investments we're planning on when we're going to have the house paid off we're going to like all of this stuff but most of it's built around you know this this end date of retirement when am i going to stop like when am i going to stop working um what age do you think you want to retire you know um and that's all built based around how much can you put away and all of this stuff and i do think it's super important to 
be wise with your money and to put money away. But I also think you need to be very wise with your money and realize where it all comes from and be very generous with it too. Um, and so I feel like we've done a good job of balancing both of those and God's blessed us tremendously. Um, but what I realized is that uh, I don't know that there is anywhere, and I knew this before, but there is nowhere in the Bible that talks about retirement. Nowhere. And I think I now know why. Based on my 10 months off, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like, I don't need to work at a 50 or 60 hour work week. Right. In yeah. when I'm 65 or 70. But I want to continue to make an impact on people. I want to go in and do business coaching. I want to, you know, if it's inside of a dealership still at, you know, 20 years from now, then it is what it is. But I want to, I want to participate in helping others grow. I also think those 10 months were a gift. So many things. I mean, our teacher of love was, I think our relationship grew a ton as well because me being off, that wouldn't have happened if I was, um, working as much as I, you know, just normal job. Yeah. So there were so many things, but it taught me from a long-term perspective, like I'm not, I'm not focused on and I'm not targeting retirement anymore. I'm targeting on what kind of impact can I make and chase and follow um, significance and making a, a, a generous impact and all those things. So that's what it's taught me. It's good. It's time for a segment called, What is Happening? I'm trying to think of like an embarrassing moment or something. Wait, what about the work one where you were running? <laughs> she opened the door. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I can talk about that. Um, but at, when I was at Wilsonville Toyota, um, we were moving cars around and I thought it would be really funny. I like to scare people. I think that's, I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, another sales manager was driving the car and she was probably going, let's say 10 miles an hour up, up a row. And I. I thought it'd be really funny in my head if I sprinted up, grabbed the passenger door and opened it and yelled at her, thinking I'd scare her and it'd be really funny, ha ha ha. Well, she's driving, let's say 10 miles an hour. She's going fast enough where it was the car was moving at a pretty good clip, but not fast enough where I couldn't catch up. So I caught up, I grabbed the door, it was a Tundra, I grab the door, I open it up, and I yell at her to scare her. And she, out of instinct, hits the brakes super hard. <laughs> and I'm running full speed because that's how I had to do to get to the car. I open it up, she hits the brakes full speed, and I do a face plant into the door because she stopped. So I'm full speed, and I do a face plant. I crumple like a bag of potatoes onto like into the side of the car in it. And what eventually started out with scaring her turn into her laughing at me so hard and then everybody else realizing what had happened. And it was a very, very, very funny thing. Um, so I'll always remember that. That was a good, that was a good one. That was good. Uh, what about in Mexico when you thought, I like all these stories where you're like, this will uh, be great in your head. You're like, I think this will be epic. If you'll recall the women's 
World Cup where I think it's Carly, something Carly. They scored the goal they won and she ran like mid midfield and sprinted and then slid on her knees on the grass and like pulled her shirt up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that yeah. event? So we're in Mexico on a, on a missions trip in Juarez, uh, the outskirts of Juarez, and we're playing um, soccer in inside, not on grass, <laughs> on concrete, slippery concrete, slippery like your shoes, your it's dusty. dusty. Yeah. I'm wearing uh, some type of jeans, and I score a goal, and I think in my head, you're like goal, yeah, goal, and I'm thinking in my head, this would be hilarious if I did whatever her name is. So I'm running full speed and I'm like, I'm gonna do it. So I slide on my knees and I grab my shirt and pull it up, which is probably quite a sight. <laughs> I'm full speed, I'm thinking in my head, I'm gonna slide across the floor because it's super dusty. Like, I, you, you can barely even stand and make a quick stop. It's that dusty and slippery. Well, somehow the jeans that I was wearing uh, had some special material or something that it made contact to the concrete floor and there was zero sliding. In addition to not sliding, it ripped the skin off of my knees. Well, rip the jeans and rip the skin. Rip the jeans, rip the skin. I mean, because I, I was going full speed. I, I was going, like when I do something, I'm going all in. Like I'm, it hurt so bad. And then everybody in the gym literally couldn't stop laughing. It was embarrassing it hurt a ton i had ripped jeans i had i don't even know if i was bleeding but it was like all my skin was ripped off so i had a very short career in professional soccer yeah it did not happen how i thought it would no. what is happening what is happening Thanks for spending your valuable time listening in. Honestly, Alicia.